Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, guess where we are right now? We're in beautiful Taipei, Taiwan. Unfortunately, the weather isn't that great, but uh, we're still enjoying it. Checking out the night markets, checking out the local food scene, and uh, of course, uh, meeting and connecting with the local people. And when we got here to Taipei, Taiwan, I started Googling. I started searching on YouTube as you do as a traveler. And what happened is when I searched for uh, uh, what to see and do in Taiwan, this YouTube channel popped up right away. It's called Life in Taiwan by Alan Cook. And uh, I, I immediately after watching some of the videos, I was like, I gotta get this guy on the show. So I uh, messaged uh, Alan and he responded right away. So within the span of about three days, we went from not knowing each other at all uh, to messaging uh, to uh, coordinate the interview, and here we are live uh, talking. So pretty cool, pretty cool, the power of technology to connect people together, and obviously to equip and inform and educate people about travel and tips and advice. So I'm a big advocate and a fan of the show, uh, Life in Taiwan, even though I'm a new uh, follower, still I think it's a great content. I've been watching quite a lot of episodes, uh, really well done. Uh, so I got the host here, here today, uh, his name's Alan Cook, Alan, uh, how are you doing? Uh, uh, you know, I usually say over there, wherever you are, but you're in my city where we both live here now, or I'm visiting your living. Uh, so how are you doing in Taipei today? Yeah, I'm good. I should say, first of all, I'm in Taichung. I'm in central Taiwan. But uh, I know that the people of Taichung will insist that I mention that, that I'm not actually in Taipei. I'm about a, an hour's drive away. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm so excited to meet you here. So excited to uh, use this technology that, can, like you said, can connect people, whether all over the world in different cities. It's, uh, it's amazing. I'm so happy to be here and talk about my channel, talk about my life in Taiwan. And we're so happy to have you here and to learn more about, uh, uh, you know, a life in Taiwan from an expat's perspective. Uh, so why don't we firstly yeah. get to know you a little bit better before we talk about your channel and, uh, you know, uh, more about the, the videos you make. I want to hear about your story. Uh, what made you, an Englishman, come over here to Taiwan? Tell us your backstory. Uh, okay, well, you mentioned that the, the interview is going to be about 25 minutes, so probably would need a lot more than that to give you the full story uh there's actually my first youtube video does discuss it in detail but to give you the highlights i uh i had a, a girlfriend who was south african we met in london uh she went back to south africa uh we spent a year apart doing a long distance relationship uh then when she actually came back into london after a year away they refused her at the, uh, the immigration at Heathrow. Uh, the, the laws had just changed about South Africans needing a visa to enter the UK. Uh, I jumped on the plane with her to go back after she got deported, uh, went back to South Africa in floods of tears, both of us, and then uh, I couldn't find work in South Africa. South Africa has its own uh, economic problems with, uh, uh, how do I say, uh, immigrants, like sort of foreigners getting jobs there. So. We went on Google and said, where can a South African and an Englishman with uh, university degrees, where can we work in the world? We were prepared to go anywhere, but after a bit of research, it came out that Taiwan was, um, Taiwan was the, the sort of the best option. And it's actually, yeah, it's turned out way more than that for, for me. I've now made a life here 10 years later. 
I've got a permanent residence card. I feel like one of the locals. Uh, my Chinese is, uh, uh, how can I say, uh, I can communicate, I can get by. And yeah, uh, just to end the story, we basically, yeah, we, we set up life here. We got married. We had a beautiful boy, William. Uh, but they've actually now decided both to go back and live for William to go to school in South Africa. So now I'm doing my own thing here and uh, being a, a long distance father, which is also another difficult part of life here. But yeah, that's it. That's the short story, believe it or not. <laughs> and I'll actually have a link to the long story uh, below. So if you wanted to uh, uh, kind of get the bigger version with more, more intricate parts of that uh, story, you'll be able to click right through and watch that uh, longer version. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's hear about yeah, uh, awesome. the life in Taiwan side of things in terms of your work. Uh, so uh, when you came here uh, uh, with your wife and then you had a kid here, tell us about that journey in terms of actually uh, financing it, working. Uh, did you do the typical uh, teaching ESL kind of thing? Tell us about the different jobs you've had over the last decade or so. Okay, well, basically, um, from watching your channel, I can see that you really want to ed educate people and give people the, uh, the how do I say, the uh, encouragement and the skills to do it, like bite the bullet and travel and yes. uh, make, make a living in different countries. And my advice is just do it. Like it's so, whether it's Taiwan, Asia, America, South America, or Africa, like I'm sure there are lots of opportunities over the world. And my, my uh, experience was it was just so easy. Like the whole process of finding a job as an ESL teacher is um, you, you basically like uh, you contact an agent usually like you don't have to but um, there are agents that work in different countries and they recruit foreign teachers or um, qualified teachers that can come here and uh, pick up a job now you usually do the interview over Skype then when you arrive here um, the school will ask you to do a small demo or demonstration um, and I think that's the biggest uh, hurdle for a lot of people that have never been a teacher before it's uh, standing up in front of 15, 20 kids and now all of a sudden you have to teach. And that's what I found a little bit uh, sort of as, uh, how do I say, uncomfortable at the, at the least. But, but yeah, so once your agent finds you a job, you come, you do the demo and the, 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 the boss of the school will kind of interview you a little bit, give you a bit of a, um, a check just to see that your English is good enough because believe it or not, there are some people come here with, sketchy English and get away with teaching but uh, yeah so that was 10 years ago and I'm still in the same job in the same school like I've never left my my employer it's uh, I got lucky I found a really good job that is a rarity in uh, you know this day and age to stay with the same company the same employer for a decade is so rare I mean back uh, you know 20 30 years ago this would be common you would uh, you know wait until you get the mm. golden watch to retire and uh, get your pension but uh, <laughs> nowadays people are quitting and uh, jumping ship from job to job every four or five years so yeah that's quite incredible that you have obviously liked uh, the company and the job and the role uh, that much 
Uh, so uh, we do like to learn a, a little bit about the work environment, especially because teaching yourself is a great way, obviously, to see the world. This is how I started. I uh, finished university, then went to Japan, taught English there, then traveled around Asia. So I uh, definitely am a big advocate of teaching English overseas or teaching any language overseas or even uh, digitally online with the power of the Internet. So uh, tell us about the work in terms of, uh, uh, you know, how many days a week are you working? How many hours per day? Uh, how, how many students? What, what is it like? Tell us about the good and the bad about being a teacher here locally. Okay, well, okay, if I start from my first year when you first arrive, you'll, in Taiwan, a typical contract in my kind of school is you, work, you teach 20 hours a week, about. And, um, I mean, if we talk details, you'll, your pay will generally be about 600 Taiwan dollars uh, an hour, which I think is like 20 US, about. Uh, and that's, as I say, 20 hours a week um, if you're just teaching in a cram school. Now, cram schools, again, for anybody that's thinking about teaching overseas, cram schools actually teach the kids supplementary English after they've been to the government school in the, the morning or early afternoon. Um, so that's a typical job. There are kindergartens that have foreign teachers here but it's actually illegal, believe it or not. The government don't want the kids learning English from such an early age, but it does happen, of course. So, um, so yeah, so you'll make like a good living. Like if you're teaching 20 hours a week, um, you'll pick up at the end of the, each month, uh, maybe 60,000 Taiwan dollars. So 2000 us a month. Um, that's your first year. You do, if, again, if you find the right school and they respect you and they like you, they'll get, offer you a pay increase after the first year or second year. Um, and um, the options for uh, becoming more flexible with your work also come into play. So for me now, I do a lot of training for the school. I teach the new teachers um, the school system and uh, manage the English departments in several different schools. Uh, I don't actually teach so many hours now. I teach maybe 12 hours a week. So yeah, there is actually, again, if you find the right school, there's a, a career ladder, which a lot of foreigners here will argue with me about that there's no career ladder. Like they don't get respected in their school. They don't, uh, they're just seen as a foreign face. Um, but yeah, I disagree. I think if you find the right school and you're um, ambitious enough to make it work, uh, teaching ESL, cannot just be like a, um, a sort of, a, how do I say, uh, a way to make an income outside of what you want to do. It can actually be your career. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And I'm glad you brought up that, the, the opportunity for advancement and not just teaching per se, but maybe becoming more of a manager, a teacher trainer, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. getting into maybe profit sharing with a company or managing the school or maybe even owning a school eventually. Uh, so the key question here would be how to find yeah. the right school. And I, I think there's two options. Obviously, you can uh, find it online or through recruitment offices back in your home country, Canada, US, UK, or wherever else in the world you live in. Or you can come here and then uh, hustle and look for the job when you're here itself. So tell us about uh, both those options and then how can you find uh, the best possible school either way? Okay, well, naming no names, there are certain schools here that have like a bad reputation um, for taking advantage of first year teachers, like low pay, high hours. Um, and 
again, it will vary from branch to branch of each individual school. Um, and my advice to somebody, whether you are coming as a 22, 23-year-old fresh out of college, or if you're like a sort of maybe a older guy like myself, that work isn't going well for you back where you're living and you want to try something new, um, come here and don't be afraid to stand up for yourself if you do find yourself in a bad situation. There's a lot of support here. Um, for example, you, some people will find themselves tied into contracts that if they, they get told if they break the contract, they have to pay a certain um, contract breaking, breakage fee, whatever there's the word. And generally, they tend to be not really worth the paper that they're written on. So don't be afraid of that kind of thing. Um, if you find yourself in a job that's kind of okay for the first year, then you can maybe stick it out and use that year to talk to other people, make some friends that have uh, contacts or um, their own individual schools are, uh, have better working conditions. Um, also, another thing you can do is, if, whether it's Taichung, Taipei, or let's say Tokyo, or whatever city you want to go to, my advice is go to Facebook, and they often have like a Taichung teachers group, a Taipei working English teachers working, whatever the, the name of the group is, I can't remember now. And I'm sure even if you're back in America or Canada or England, wherever you are, if you ask to join that group and explain your reasoning that you want to get some information about schools before you come, most of the moderators will accept that. And these groups are like a, a, a fountain of information and um, can answer a lot of the questions that maybe an agent or a school would uh, give you a, an edited answer, should I say. That's a great tip. Uh, you know, th these Facebook uh, forums are, uh, you know, the Facebook groups, obviously a great way of to get an insider's mm -hmm. view of the country and, uh, you know, uh, get it right from the horse's, the teacher's mouth, so to speak. Uh, so great advice there, Alan. Uh, so I'm curious to know about the language. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I'm actually quite surprised. This is my first time. <laughs> Taiwan. I was in uh, mainland China. I've been to about 20 provinces there, Hong Kong, Macau. Uh, and the English level in mainland China, no offense, uh, isn't very good. But when I got here to Taiwan, I didn't know what to expect. But almost everyone I meet speaks basic English, whether they're younger, student level, or older, or even like in their 50s, 60s, or beyond. They can understand me. They can respond to me. And no matter where, whether it's hotels, or restaurants, or taxis, or buses, or the MRT, the trains, People speak English, so I'm quite impressed. I just want to give a big thumbs up to all the Taiwanese and the Taiwanese education system for teaching English so well. But uh, curious to know about, uh, uh, I want to ask two questions, kind of. Like, the, why is the English so good here compared to mainland China? Then I was going to ask you kind of about your own journey to learn Mandarin. But let's start with the first question. Uh, so you're obviously supplementing the regular teaching in terms of governmental schooling, right, in terms of the private cram school but what have you found in terms of the government schools i'm impressed as a foreigner coming here that the english is quite good relative to other parts of asia or other parts of the world what have you found in terms of education generally for english in this country uh yeah okay well basically the there's different kinds of uh, i would say different groups of kids here are students that there are students that only learn english from the government schools the elementary schools then there are students that have the elementary school English plus a cram school like mine. Now, uh, my cram school is not an ESL cram school. ESL means English every day, where they will learn like science, maths, uh, uh, history in using English. My English is like English, um, I think they, they call it which is just like 
three classes a week, um, not every day, not super intensive. Um, and then there's another group of kids, which you can see that their parents really focus heavily on their English. They maybe send them to a, a private English school during the day, uh, an ESL cram school during the evening. And these kids are basically fluent. Um, so my kids that I teach are somewhere in the middle. Like they, they can communicate, they, they make, uh, they'll make mistakes, they'll um, not be sort of uh, fluent, but we can get by. And as they get older into high school, they learn much more grammar and focus on the testing system. So, um, so yeah, Taiwan's education system, the government's education system isn't great. It isn't perfect for English, um, but they do a good enough job to, like you say, get people into a level where if a foreigner comes and asks them, uh, excuse me, where's the bathroom or uh, uh, what time is it? They can answer these basic questions and that goes through their life. And you can see some, um, especially in the city, you can see some elderly people that have a really good level of English. And it's, it's a little bit embarrassing when I pull out my terrible Chinese and realize that their English is better than mine. But um, yeah, they're very proud people of their English. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the, the, the level of English that the people speak here. Anyone coming here, uh, whether to start a new life, whether to travel as a tourist uh, or start a company, whatever anyone is starting thinking to do, if you come here with zero Chinese and only English, you can do it. I would hope that you would learn some Chinese, but you can definitely do it, especially in Taipei. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And of course, I'm speaking from just being in Taipei so far and not visiting the rest of the country. But uh, yeah, like you said, uh, you need very little Mandarin to communicate here, which is kind of good and bad because uh, you kind of don't get as motivated to learn the local language when people can communicate in English. Uh, it's not like in Japan or Korea where, or mainland China or even like, you know, South America where everyone just speaks Spanish or just everyone just... Japanese or Korean. Uh, so it forces you to learn the local language. Mm -hmm. Me, I've taken it on and I'm learning Mandarin. I do a private online one-on-one -on -one tutoring and it's a hard language to learn, man, uh, in terms of the tones. And you're, uh, you know, I was quite impressed to hear you. Uh, what have you done over the last 10 years to learn your own Mandarin? Uh, have you done schooling, tutoring? Uh, tell us about your journey to learn the language. Okay, well, when I first arrived here, uh um, I was uh, picking up one by one English language teaching lessons and I would people would pay me like by the hour just to sit and for me to take them through their books and teach them English and I met one guy a good friend his name is Johnny a Taiwanese guy and it was a bit crazy actually it, it ended up where he was paying me money to sit in Xbox with him and talk about the basketball game on the Xbox and he became a he became a friend and I eventually said like We'd, we'd have like an hour which became two hours and at the end of these two hours he'd give me like an envelope with money in and it was a bit weird like meeting a friend and then your friend would pay you so I decided right we're going to stop that we're going to do exchange and we're going to speak Chinese um, so he was my first Chinese teacher in the first year and I went through a book called Practical Audiovisual Chinese which is what the standard uh, the standard book that foreigners will use here it teaches you writing and listening and uh, reading at the start but I really did find it difficult to to get those tones mastered and I kind of gave up after the first couple of years but uh, recently uh, especially since starting the YouTube channel I've kind of pushed myself to try and get a little bit better um, but I just learn Chinese every day like I pick up a word here and there uh, 
if there's something I don't know, I'll ask my friends. And if they tell me two or three times, it kind of sticks. Um, but I'm still struggling with the tones. I will tell you one funny story. Uh, because I work in the teaching field, maybe like 80, 90% of my, uh, my coworkers are uh, female. Uh, so there's a difference between female Chinese and male Chinese. So, for example, if we see like a cute baby, and then all of the, the female teachers will say, oh, they put this ah on the end. But a man like myself, I should say, and I should be manly. But for a long time, everything I said was so female. I'd be like, oh, how and I was meeting like guys, Taiwanese guys, and they would look at me like, what are you talking? Why are you speaking like that? And I didn't know. I didn't realize I was speaking like a, a female kind of Chinese. So, uh, yeah, you just pick it up from the people around you, whether that's for the, the, a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. That is so funny. Uh, yeah, that is such a great story there. <laughs> so you mentioned your YouTube channel and that's mm. how I, I obviously discovered you. And it's obviously picking up steam in terms of uh, Google ranking, SEO ranking, video ranking mm. on YouTube, YouTube recommendations, uh, YouTube searching, and et cetera. So it's called life in Taiwan. And obviously uh, like the name implies it's yep. about your life as an expat in Taiwan. Uh, tell us about uh, when did it start mm -hmm. and tell us about why. Why start a YouTube channel about your life in Taiwan? Okay, well, basically, it started like 18, yeah, about 18 months ago after I got back from visiting my son in South Africa. Uh, and while I was there for the two weeks I was with him, uh, all he talked about was YouTube. And he watched all of these YouTubers playing computer games or uh, telling stories or even the, the kids that play with toys. Uh, Ryan's Toy Review is his favorite, what used to be one of his favorites. And I kind of got back to Taiwan and I, I, I speak to my son every day on FaceTime, but most of the time he'll have his, his mom's phone here and then he's just looking at YouTube, watching YouTube the whole time. So I thought, well, I'll make some videos for him to watch where he can see his dad. And the first few videos I made were, um, okay, they're, Looking back, they're a bit sketchy compared to my new videos, but you know, I'm still proud of them. But I didn't have subtitles, and uh, William would watch them and tell me they were great. And then eventually, they, um, I think I made one video about my favorite uh, foreign Taiwanese based YouTubers, and I included one guy called Xiaobei, Logan Beck. And uh, he shared my video, he was, he was, uh, in, in my video, so he was happy to share it, and a few of his subscribers came across, and this year, 2018, it really started to build up steam, and so yeah, I really started to investigate, hang on, how can I boost this channel? So I looked into some other um, channels, such as yourselves, that can advise people on how to create a business, or how to boost your uh, Google rankings, that kind of thing, and I started to follow these uh, tips. So uh, uploading regularly or consistently is a is a uh, important thing. Um, I would go to YouTube and I would search Taiwan. Uh, yeah, I would go to YouTube and search Taiwan and see what popular things were coming up. Uh, so is Taiwan safe? Is Taiwan cheap? Uh, and is Taiwan a country? Which we're not going to mention today, but that was a big one that. Uh, ruffled a few feathers but yeah so just just the very basic uh 
finding out what people are searching for and then creating videos based around that as well as just making fun videos of my life and things that I do and things that I find interesting. So yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm doing relatively well. I'm really happy with my subscribers number. It's, um, and it's, it's a journey I'm enjoying so far. So I don't plan on quitting anytime soon. Yeah, no, you're just going to get better as the Japanese saying goes, Kaizen, right? Constant, continual improvement over time. So you're definitely doing that. And I'm sure when you look back at your first one, you're like, oh man, I was so bad. And now, you know, get better. And then five years from now, you'll be like, oh man, I was so bad back in 2018. So good on you. (laughs) Because that's the key to success is continuing and never giving up. And no matter how small or how big it gets, continue, continue, continue and persevere. So I'm curious to know, how do you actually pick your topics? Is this all based on that SEO factor or is it based on your own personal interests or do uh, your fans uh, give you suggestions? Uh, I'd love to hear kind of how creators think. Uh, what goes into your mind and how do you come up, come up with and conceptualize the video idea and then actually go into execution mode and implementation and then getting it out there into the YouTube universe? Okay, yeah, so basically I use... Um in my phone, in my notes section, I have like a whole list of videos that I want to make. And basically I add to that at any time that I'm out and I see something, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll make a mental note to put it in my phone and then it'll be like a process of how can I put that into a story? I think when you make a YouTube channel, the, the thing I've learned is you have to have some kind of narrative, some kind of story. So for example, yesterday outside my school, a new restaurant opened. And there was a queue, I would say 200, 300 people in a queue. And they were waiting to get this lunchbox, which has a 30 NT, one US dollar discount. And they were waiting for like an hour to get this lunchbox. So now I filmed, I filmed some of the queue and uh, made a few comments about it on, a, on, on my phone, on my, uh, my camera. But I know that there's not enough to make a video out of that. I wouldn't just give that to my subscribers. I now need to go away and think, right, how can I build a story around this? How can I make it interesting for viewers to watch from the start to the middle to the end of the story? Um, so yeah, as well as those sort of Google searches, like I, I, I search is Taiwan adjective, then as well as that kind of uh, methodology, I just have this daily uh, observation where I pick up things that I see and think that is interesting for me. So maybe my subscribers will find it interesting too. Uh, one other thing I will say is that I have, maybe if you've seen my videos, I, ha- I have a theme of my desk. My desk will travel around yes, I have seen that. Cut from location to location. And I came up with that because I was making a video right here in my classroom one day. And I was like, this is boring. This is like, people just don't want to listen to me talk so much. So how can I change the background? And I just decided I'm going to just take the desk in my car and travel around the city. And, and it worked. People really kind of dig it. And I get so many comments from Taijung people that's near my house, or I was just there yesterday or, uh, just anything to make a video interesting and keep people watching is, is my sort of my methodology. Yeah. And obviously what you do is quite unique. At first when I saw it, I was like, Green screen, right? And then I actually, I was like, green screen, no. <laughs> and then I, at the end of the video, you like pack up your desk. I'm like, uh, my trip, my trip, my trip. Look back at it again. Was it green screen or was it actually a physical desk that he was carrying around? So it was obviously, it is obviously no green screen whatsoever. 
No, I did, I did do one video with a green screen, but that was not, nothing related. That was about, uh, there was a, a news story about Taiwanese, uh, uh, the, the toilet tissue was running out. There was a national shortage of toilet tissue. So I made a news report, like a fake news report, and I just put a news screen behind me. But that was the only time I've used green screen. There you go. The answer is being solved. The mystery is solved. It is a real <laughs> desk being really carried around by a real person to real places. So, Alan, uh, tell yeah. us about your editing process. <laughs> so it's one thing to uh, shoot great footage and, uh, you know, what camera are you using and then what editing software do you use to actually put it all together and then post-production and make an incredible final product? Well, I'm actually, I think I'm recording right now. And I'm making a video for my subscribers. So if you want to say hello, say hello to my subscribers. Hello, Ni Hao. <laughs> ni Hao, Daja Ni Hao. So yeah, this is my camera. It's uh, I'm going to plug you back in. I just got you to say hello. Uh, so yeah, my camera is, it's a cheap one. I'm, I'm, it's not cheap in, uh, for me, but relative to other, some other YouTubers, it's uh, a Canon 800D. Uh, it's the reason I chose this one is because it's um, it has like an awesome facial recognition focus, which is really important when you're vlogging, telling a story that your face is in focus. A uh, couple of times it's not worked and it kind of, or the screen, the lens has been dirty and it's not focused properly on me. The 800D is for that. It's got like a dual point face recognition focus or something. I'm not too sure about the technology. Um, my Software I use, and I should be—I'm pretty embarrassed to admit it—but I use iMovie on my Mac. I don't use Final Cut or Adobe. I uh, didn't. My budget hasn't stretched to that far yet. Um, and the music—I take music generally from non-copyrighted uh, creators that want their music to be promoted by YouTubers. Uh, and generally, what I do is I find a song first. And I get a good feeling for the song. And then I'll think about where I can cut certain scenes in or certain effects that match the music. Uh, and as I said earlier, I make sure that there's a, a narrative that goes through the video and matches the music and the feeling. Some, sometimes I get, get it right and it works. Sometimes I get it wrong and have to go back and kind of re-edit to a different song. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my process. It's, pretty straightforward actually i'm not sure if uh other youtubers have different or more complicated systems but yeah i try to keep it as simple as possible yeah simple is hard enough so uh you know uh, definitely different youtubers they uh, use different processes some people have multiple cameras they're mm -hmm. using the iphone they're using a gopro they're using the dslr a camcorder uh you know changing lenses and then they have all this lighting and fancy 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 and in editing uh, obviously mm -hmm. you can use a whole bunch of different options like you mentioned like adobe or final cut pro so i'm glad uh, that you mentioned like you can make amazing videos uh, using a tool such as iMovie and you know some other people they're using just Mm -hmm. shooting completely on the iPhone and editing completely on the iMovie app and they produce incredible yep. videos that no one would be able to tell that it never left the comfort of their phone. So it is quite incredible the technology uh, that we live in nowadays that you can shoot like uh, incredible uh, feature-length movies just from the palm of your hand, right? So incredible, incredible, incredible Absolutely. Uh, technology. 
So I love your advice. Uh, there are a lot of people who are considering starting a YouTube channel, and I hear this all the time, Alan. It's too saturated. Mm -hmm. There are too many YouTubers. There's too many videos. Uh, there's too many no way. podcasts. No way. I don't know how to start. So you obviously just started 18 months ago, and you've already uh, become quite successful. So for those people who are considering starting a YouTube channel right now in like mid-2018, what advice, tips, strategies would you give to that person? Uh, okay, right. This is the first time I've actually talked about it. I've not talked about this on my channel yet. And it's, I'm not sure if people who watch me are actually thinking of having a YouTube channel, but obviously through your uh, domain, that's kind of maybe what some people are thinking of doing. And just do it. I know it's cheesy. It's, it's stolen from Nike, but uh, you just have to start. Tell a story. Um, have an edge is, is kind of uh, uh, important. You have to think about what is your edge? What do you offer that's different to other people in your situation? So for me, that's obviously I'm a foreigner in Taiwan. If I was, if I was Taiwanese, I would have to think of my, a different edge. Maybe I would be an um, a, a English teaching Taiwanese guy. So just, and uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how to add more to it other than just doing it and connect with other creators. Um, my, my sort of my boost earlier in this year came from, as I say, Logan, and he's recommended my video. Um, think of ways that you can connect with other creators to help you uh, help them share your videos. Uh, I, um, I recommend smaller channels. I recommend bigger channels to my viewers. Um, and yeah, the other thing is to remember is just have a story to tell and uh, be confident, be um, I think I, I think the big a big hurdle for YouTubers to get over is walking down the street, talking to your cell phone or talking to your camera, and people will look at you. Uh, yeah, especially with the big um, the dead cat on top, the microphone. People often stare at me, and now I just I couldn't care less. It just that's that's part of my job. That's where my income comes from. So you have to do it, and. It kind of doesn't, after a few videos, it doesn't actually feel like anything embarrassing at all. Uh, I can't think of any other advice, really, other than just do it, be confident, and tell a story. That's, that's it in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, that's the best possible advice, you know, uh, be personal in terms of being real. Uh, the story angle, uh, you know, the, the better storytellers, the more engagement you'll get. And at the end of the day, you got to get started. So uh, figure out that unique angle, how you're going to, uh, you kind of position yourself as different. Like me, daddy blogger, right, uh, being a dad, traveling around the world quite unique. I'm talking about digital nomad kind of topics, which is a hot topic nowadays. You're talking as an expat here in Taiwan. Uh, obviously, that's quite unique. So yeah, figure out that unique angle. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, so kind of the last area I want to cover on our episode here as Alan is uh, this whole area of travel in Taiwan. I really feel that Taiwan mm -hmm. is this hidden gem in Asia. A lot of people hit Bali, they hit Thailand, they might hit Japan and Korea, but a lot of people don't know much about Taiwan. They just know there's some kind of political tension between, uh, you know, uh, China, mainland China and Taiwan. And they, they know about the bubble teas and they might know about some uh, delicious Taiwanese food. And that's probably the extent of most people's knowledge of Taiwan. And they might know Taipei 101 and mm -hmm. the capital uh, Taipei, right? But 
you know, you know uh, now that I've come here, I, uh, yep. I'm quite impressed by how beautiful this country is, quote, unquote, country, and how incredible the people are, the food. Uh, so now I want to be ambassador of travel to Taiwan. And obviously you as an expat living here, you're quite passionate about Taiwanese travel. Uh, so where in the country have you been to? And what, uh, where would you suggest people go to, especially if they're maybe on a quick 10-day vacation or 12-day, uh, maybe a two-week vacation, where would you recommend uh, visiting in Taiwan? Okay, well, to answer your first question, where have I been? I've been pretty much everywhere. I've been, I know probably more about Taiwan than some Taiwanese people because as a foreigner, you want to explore. Right. But the, the, the locals here, maybe they don't explore as much. If they take a vacation, maybe they go to a different country or just hit the regular tourist spots. So I've been all over the island and um, for a 10-day vacation, if someone was coming for 7-10 days, I would definitely recommend do not stay in Taipei. Like Go to Taipei for one or two days, uh, go up Taipei 101, get that spectacular view of the city. Um, but as soon as you've done that and maybe been to, uh, I think, Shilin, yeah, Shilin Night Market, um, then get yourself out of the city and come south, you know. Um, the, the very tip of the island on the bottom is um, Kending, the, the tourist beach town. And that's actually on the same uh, latitude as Hawaii. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous down there. The weather is like... Uh, uh, really good like blue skies white sand beaches and um absolutely beautiful down there um then of course if you're looking for the the sort of mountainous regions the east coast uh hualien and ilan uh pingdong taidong they have um lots of mountains and hiking trails uh beautiful gorges you can go river tracing uh gee whiz yeah all of it's all coming to my mind now. Um, there is so much to do on this island. And another thing to say, and I'm going to get accused of being a, a brown nose now or as they say in Chinese, which is the people. The people here are genuinely so friendly and interested in foreigners. Um, some people will take it offensively now, especially in this day and age where it's um, anyone with a difference should be kind of uh, welcomed into society and not acknowledged as being different but here in Taiwan they don't really follow that rule and it's they will take an interest in you where do you come from uh, why the kids will ask you why do I have uh, hair on my arms like uh, why do I have a beard so like the people just are so interested in you and like you said they speak English so they'll ask you questions they'll take and I think think you should take that as a good thing don't be offended that someone sees you as different um, we are here, hopefully in the future, I think Taiwan will become much more multicultural. Um, there will be the, this generation, my generation of teachers are having families here, bringing up their kids here. Um, more and more, uh, like I say, multiculturalism will come in the future. But as for now, like it's just so interesting to be a foreigner here and be uh, taken such an interest in by the locals.
Yeah, it's definitely a rising star here in Asia in terms of tourism. I, I see it definitely growing, uh, especially as uh, YouTubers and video bloggers and travel bloggers keep recommending, uh, you come here to Taiwan, come here to Taiwan. And that's what I'm doing. I'm advocating for it. And people are like, I never considered Taiwan. But now, you know, uh, you're definitely, uh, you're very, pretty convincing or pretty persuasive. Uh, so I'd love to also cover your city, Taichung, uh, because uh, a lot of people know Taipei. You mentioned the south with the beach area, the east with the mountains. Tell us about mm -hmm. the city you're living in in terms of what you see and do as a tourist or as a foreigner or as a visitor uh, who's coming there maybe for a couple of days to check out the local sightseeing scene. Okay, well, if you're coming to Taichung, I think... Um, Zero one. There is no like star attraction here, um, but in the surrounding area, there is a lot of um, interesting things for you to come and do and see. There is uh, in Daja, there is a uh, like a riverside park now with like swimming pools next to the sea. Uh, um, if you come a little bit, um, Dongshi out in the countryside, a beautiful. Um, like forest, Dongshu Linshen Gongyan, I think, uh, Dongshu Forest Park, um, where you can, uh, if you come at the right time of year, you can see the fireflies. The fireflies here are very uh, popular, a big tourist attraction. Um, and of course, night markets. The night markets here, like every city, uh, we have Fengjia, Yeshi, we have Yijie, uh, is the uh, night market down by the Taichung First School. Uh, yeah, so night markets, countryside, uh, coastal areas, um, and uh, museums. There's a lot of like interesting museums here in the central Taiwan. We have the, the science museum that the kids will really love if you're coming with kids. And also there is uh, the earthquake museum, which I actually covered in one of my videos, um, which is a really interesting place to go and see. It's, this museum is based around the a junior high school that collapsed during a big earthquake uh, about 19 years ago. Um, so yeah, Taichung definitely has a lot to offer as well as Taipei. There you go. And of course, check out uh, Alan's channel because you'll be able to see Taichung, uh, you know, and all the different uh, suburbs and all the things to see and do on the channel itself. Uh, so, Alan, mm -hmm. in closing, I'm, I'm curious to know about your vision for the future. Uh, I don't know when you first got here in Taiwan, whether you knew 10 years later you would still be here. Uh, but tell us about the next 10 years. Uh, what does your future uh, have in store for you in terms of your life, uh, your work, your travels, uh, your YouTube channel, uh, your, your future? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it, it, there's a couple of different paths I could take, which I'm still not too sure about what I'm going to, um, which one I'm going to take. Uh, I love to, I love teaching. That's taken as red. Like, um, I would not have been in Taiwan for 10 years if I didn't love teaching so much. So I can always see teaching in my future. Um, I really feel like that's the rewarding part of my life where I get to, like you say, give Taiwan this, uh, great English ability that can boost their, uh, boost their part of boosting their economy in the future of having that English. So that's one thing I really want to maintain. Uh, second of all, like the YouTube channel, um, I'm really like focusing that onto, uh, like I say, becoming more consistent, creating more videos consistently every week or twice a week. Um, and then there's other options that I have foreigners here. Like we, we, there's a lot of my friends have opened their own businesses, whether it's a school, uh, 
uh, a coffee shop, a bar, a restaurant. Um, I would love in the future, should I find myself in the, uh, with the opportunity to open some kind of uh, English-based coffee shop or English-based uh, meeting place, working space. Um, I have a few friends here who own businesses and um, they often say that they don't have anywhere to work, so they'll work in Starbucks. Um, so I'm, but they don't really like it, it's too noisy. So I have a few ideas about what I want to do in the future, but um, who knows which path I'm going to take yet. All we can say is that my YouTube channel is hopefully going to grow bigger and more, uh, more interesting for people as I learn more skills and go to more places in Taiwan. Yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing this journey unfold uh, over the next few years. I look forward to maybe having that English shop where you can get some delicious fish and chips, some British curry, and some uh, <laughs> delicious high tea. Uh, that would be great. I think uh, that would be mm -hmm. a really big hit uh, because, uh, you know, the Taiwanese culture, they love the cute stuff. So you could have a whole bunch of, like, you know, uh, w William and Harry and the Queen and a whole bunch of props from England and uh, <laughs> red phone booth. London buses, yeah. Double-decker buses. And uh, I can see it right now. I can visualize it that's awesome yeah i hope so who knows who knows who knows uh so in closing here alan i it was uh, awesome to have you on your on the show you, you've been a wealth of knowledge in so many areas from teaching english uh for being an expat to uh, starting a youtube channel and of course tourism here in taiwan uh how can people connect with you they might have some follow-up questions uh, obviously they want to subscribe to your channel connect with you on social media tell us about mm -hmm. all the different ways that people can reach out and connect Uh, yeah, basically I have my YouTube channel is my central, my hub where everything kind of stems out from. Uh, that's life in Taiwan. That's one word. Uh, I have my Instagram, which is uh, life in Taiwan 2017. Uh, what else do I have? Uh, Facebook, life in Taiwan 2017. Um, so yeah, all the usual social networks. Um, but by all means, uh, I, do my, I do spend maybe like an hour every morning replying to comments on my YouTube uh, channel. I really think that's important for YouTubers to interact with their subscribers and uh, discuss certain points that I raise in my videos. So yeah, shoot me a comment on any of my videos. Let me know what you think uh, and I'll get back to you. I'm happy to interact with subscribers and uh, whether they are Taiwanese people or foreigners thinking of coming here. Uh, I will, like you say, I'll give people the knowledge that I have. I'm happy to share. It's no big, uh, no big secrets here. Yeah, you definitely have a wealth of uh, experience, expertise, and uh, knowledge and insights into, uh, you know, uh, living and traveling here in Taiwan. Uh, so I'll have those links below. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can click right through and subscribe to Alan's channel, connect with him on Instagram and Facebook and beyond. And if you're listening on iTunes or the podcast directories, uh, then you can also, uh, uh, you know, listen and, uh, you know, uh, check out the, the links for Alan's uh, show. Uh, so... Alan, I just wanted to uh, end this interview with a big shishi. Bukachi. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. Shishi uh, to everyone watching from around the world or listening from around the world. Uh, we'll catch up with you in the next episode. And happy travels live here from Taipei and Taichung in Taiwan.